Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend and co-host Jamie Wagner, which is kind of weird to say here with because we're actually in the same location. We're in different rooms, but first time we get to be kind of in the same location. It's on location. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's just good to see you. And I, I, we get to see each other weekly, maybe bi-weekly. We have a Zoom call. It's different to be in person to, you know, we went ran some errands together this morning and get to just talk and be friends. And I it's it's challenging because you live 10 hours away or I live 10 hours away or 12 or whatever we want to say. But do that stuff, people. Like connect with your people. Go and do little things like I would say go golf or get on the lake or whatever, but just go to the grocery store together. Like, you know, like it's things like that, where you're just able to connect about something. And I'm grateful that we were able to do that today. I'm also grateful that we get to do this thing weekly. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Each time we get to bring on a guest, they challenge us to grow and get better. And it's, and it becomes a part of our attention. It becomes a part of our focus. And as we focus on it, it grows and gets bigger in our own lives. And this conversation absolutely did that for me. Martin Rooney joined us today, uh, author. We were talking about a couple of the books that he, well, one of the books that he just wrote, which was the sequel to a previous book, but he's a business leader. He's a dad. He's a trainer. He's an athlete. He's a, a coach. coach. Yeah. So there's stuff in here for everybody, regardless of what area or or how you connect with us. Cause not, we know not everybody here is a coach, right? But this is about leadership. It's about culture. And our conversation is about how do you get intentional about that? What can you do to start building and, and, and building the culture that you want, not just letting it happen? Well, and he said something that I didn't speak to in the interview, but like you get the culture you design right? And we've talked about this before. It's by design or by default, you get to choose, right? And so our cultures are oftentimes our default culture. It's just what showed up and what we exist in. Our relationships oftentimes are often our default relationships. Oh, this person's close to me. This person is next door. This person has kids the same age, but we can design those things also. And you will get the culture that you design as a leader, right? That's just it's there. And if you don't design it, someone else will design it for you. He says that in the podcast, choose, make a choice, take a step towards the culture you want. And the first step is listen to this because he's going to give you ideas as to how to do that meaningfully and powerfully. Also buckle up. This dude is not short on energy. He had no, no notes. He, I, he wasn't clearly drinking an energy drink, but this guy is so passionate about what he is doing exactly. and building others. It just pours out of him. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Martin Rooney, let's go. Martin Rooney, welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset podcast. I, Jamie, you did it again. I, I'm going to keep forgiving you because you're one of my best friends, but it makes me really mad when you ask really good questions and I don't get to hit the record button. But Martin, back to you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, my man. Hey, my pleasure, guys. And, and for everybody listening, yes, uh, John is right. We just had this great conversation. And then Jamie had to say, hey, man, shouldn't we have hit record on that? And, uh, you know, I hate to see when a best friend has to slap around his buddy. But that's what <laughs> that's what relationships are all about. 
he's absolutely right. And, and I've done it too many times, but, but the deal is I just shame on me at this point though. I know shame on me. Press record. I I just am curious. And then I said one thing and you started and I I can just tell like the conversation is going to be gold from, from here out. But you, you were speaking a little bit to your background. You, you have some background in an elite level business because you started training for warriors and you have hundreds of locations internationally. Um, you have an experience at the highest level of your sport, being on the U S Bob's blood team, like, and then you're a coach also at training young people, this amazing background kind of comes together to do what you're now doing, which is to try to teach that through books, through speaking, through podcasts, you know, into the roar podcast also, Give us a little bit about how you got to that point today. Yeah. Well, well, I'll try to give, I'll try to give it really quick. And for everybody listening, everything I'm about to say is true. It just means I'm just really old. So I'm a lot older <laughs> than these guys. So, oh yes. So happy not, birthday recently. Oh I yeah. Saw that. So, yeah. So big birthday. And I know if you're watching this, you can't believe it. I have just hit the semi-century 50 year mark, which is hard, hard to believe for me. Actually, that's the first time I'm ever publicly saying it. So, oh, it but, uh, but uh, yeah, so here's my story. Uh, my mom was a physical education teacher and coach. So she was my original coach. The person that said you get eight hours of sleep, you eat your breakfast, all the stuff that she taught me, it pretty much is still gold today. And I always followed it. A track and field coach found me when I was in seventh grade, not feeling great about myself, said I could be something even when I didn't think I could. And for the next five years, this guy took me under his wing and not only taught me track and field, but taught me about what it meant to be a great coach. That led to a division one scholarship for track and field, which uh, then I parlayed into the US bobsled team. And during that time, I also got three degrees, uh, one of them in exercise science, one of a master's in health sciences, and also my degree in physical therapy too. Uh, when the bobsled career was over, I became a therapist, but I realized man, I, I loved it, but I wanted to impact more people. And uh, so I started going to course after course in fitness in speed and strength. And I meet this guy on an airplane on the way to a Texas seminar in speed. His name was Bill Parisi. And uh, I went, came on board with his company and, and we drove what was called the Parisi Speed School from just a van to a hundred location franchise training a million kids and a lot of professional teams. And that was my springboard. That was my uh, like beginning in this field, which then led to the company training for warriors, which at its Zenith had hundreds and hundreds of locations. But as everybody can appreciate the last year and a half of COVID worldwide has not been great for the fitness industry, but it has tested my uh, leadership and cultural building skills to the max. And that led to where we are today, the recent, uh, book, uh, High 10, which is all about culture. And maybe one other caveat, you know, again, yeah, I've trained professional sports teams, top military organizations, but I was also the town uh, middle school track and high school track coach. And a week from today, we leave uh, with my daughter for Notre Dame uh, for the track and field team. So, and why I say that isn't to impress anybody, but hey, I train a lot of UFC guys. They're super motivated to make it happen in your own house with your 16, 17 year old kid. That's really hard (laughs) and it it worked out. So couldn't be more proud. And, and, uh, and that's where, you know, that's kind of the, the, and guys, that's a 30 year story right there or a 50 year story. You did an amazing job of giving us the footnotes. (laughs) I was going to say really good. So dig into this piece, right? We, we kind of 
started the conversation, right? You yep. talked about it, the last year and a half challenging your culture building kind of everything. Where does it start for you? Cause that's really, you know, we, we had Rob Bell on the podcast and you said you go a long way back with him. And he, when he connected us, he said, this guy gets building cultures and teams. So let me just ask this question. Where do you start? Yeah. If you're starting from day one in a new program, in a new business, in a new place, what do you do? What do you address? Hey, not, not only is that a great question, but that would be a great advantage to most people. And yeah. uh, one thing that I say a lot is uh, you better design your culture or someone else will. And, and for everybody listening right now, you may say, hey, man, I don't have a culture. I, yeah, I'm with this team, but I, I never worked on it. So we don't have a culture. And no, that's wrong. Whether it's your business, your team or your family, right? There's a culture that exists. And beware if you weren't the one that designed it because uh, then you may not be happy with what you find. And how I know that is because I've been parts of organizations where there was already a bad culture in place, parts of a lot of teams where there was a lousy culture in place. And when I got the advantage to do exactly what you just asked and start my own company, the first place I started, and, you, and this would be a great way to say it because I've never been asked that before. You know where I started? With me. The first place I started with was me because I was going to be the leader of that culture. So I had to define what, how will this culture act? How will this culture behave? How will it look and feel to someone else? What is it we stand for? What will be our non-negotiables? What is the mission? What is the vision? And how will I deliver this culture and be a ceaseless crusader for it when people are breaking the stuff that we wanted? And, uh, and again, and, and what I'm talking about is I only learned all that stuff. Man, I didn't, I didn't really get it till I was probably 40, past 40 years old, right? Like, so I was coaching people for 20 years before I got it. And, uh, and then every season we would start with a new football team or, or the track team or whatever we did, I was able to use those ideas and set everything in place. And I'll tell you what, some of my greatest sports memories have all happened because that culture got planned out and designed before we let somebody else do it. So uh, you talk about it and I think people will understand, okay, I start with me, right? I got to figure out me and, and get this. What tools, how did, how did you go about that process? What did you use for you to organize that and to, you know, whether it was journaling, yeah. did you, you have a big whiteboard in your, in your office that you wrote yeah. everything out? You well, know? it's funny because I'm looking at the giant whiteboard right now and uh but here watch i'll do this and this is a rare sneak peek you know so i'm in my office but i'm gonna you know to answer that for you one of the best things hey do i journal absolutely i've got over 20 books filled but my biggest way that i learn i'm gonna turn this on is i read so if you look right here this is the rooney library that we are passing what if i can turn the lights off for this thing and uh Every book, there's over 2,000 on those shelves. And then these are the ones that I have just read in the last year and a half down there. And then those will get put in. My wife says I'm OCD, but the whole thing is no book can be on that shelf unless it has been read, documented, and brought out there. And, uh, and, I, and again, same line I used before. I don't say that to impress you or the listener, but to impress upon you, guys, you got to be a ceaseless student. And I didn't learn it from one book or one journal or one course. I learned it from thousands of books, hundreds of courses, thousands of hours spent traveling and seeking out the best leaders I could find. And 
by making tons and tons of mistakes, but then not making them again. And, uh, you know, that, you know, so, you know, I guess (laughs) it's a crazy answer there, but here's what I would tell everybody. If your library doesn't look like that yet, well, start with book one, start with the first book today. Like it's going to, I had nothing on my library 25 years ago, but 25 years later, man, that you were just looking at my brain and, uh, but it's not just reading it, then it's applying it, making mistakes and learning from it. And we, we just had a coach on that said that the days are long, but the years are short, right? Yep. The days are long, but the years are short. The days feel like, well, can, I can never get there. I can never yep. get to that place. It's too much to do today. It is too much to do today, but the years and the time that we give to this stuff adds up very quickly. It comes in drips it leaves in buckets, that sort of thing. Like that same idea, let's invest. And I love that you said it starts with me and how, you know, John asked a great question because we all want the simple answer, but you just gave us the real one, right? I mean, well, well, and here, and here's another part too. Somebody asked me recently, they said, Hey, what would be the advice you would give yourself say when they're 20, now that you're 50. And I said, I would have gave them him this advice, but he wouldn't have listened. And what the advice would have been is be patient. Be patient, like, like you're saying, just keep chipping away, chipping away, right? Like uh, there's this famous Brazilian poem and it's uh, like water, if it drips long enough, it'll, it'll burrow right through a rock, you know? And it's, and it's that now looking back is what I did, but I was still never patient. I always wanted it right then, right now. Why, why can't I have it? I gotta know it. And that led to more anguish for sure. But I'll challenge everybody listening. What book are you reading? What mentors are you around? What places are you going? Because here's a great line. It's very powerful. The only difference between you and you five years from now will be the books you read, the people you surrounded yourself with, and the places you went. Like that, that's it. And most people five years from now won't have done any of those. And then don't get pissed when you know, more stuff didn't happen for you. So, so I am now reaping the rewards. Yeah. Of being a lifetime student. And it's just, it's adding up now. Like that snowball is rolling and it's going to be hard to stop. You, you said this somewhere. I don't remember. I wish I could attribute it to, but you said to succeed often, you have to do something differently yeah, yeah. than how you feel right yeah, to succeed. Well, you can't just yeah. do the, the way you feel all the time. Cause sometimes I don't feel like doing the thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that what you're speaking to the snowball started because you made a bunch of choices a long time ago to do something differently than how you feel. How do you communicate that to your culture? Right. How do you, it, it isn't just said once and like, Oh yeah, that was a great line. I'm getting it. I'm going to do it now. How do you well, need and, that into your culture? It would be the answer again. And that's why it's funny. Like uh, both these books, they're also leadership books. Right. And so what would I say? First way to communicate it is again, pointing back at myself. I have to do it right. Like, so, Hey, if I never read, I can't ask somebody else to, if I never learn and grow, can't ask somebody else to, but here's what I also say. Culture, just like world championships or great performances or incredible body or whatever else, it all comes from repetition and it's, and that, and consistency. So those two words, reps and consistency. So if there are things you stand for, you have to repeat them so often that the people never forget them, right? Like you've got to stay top of their mind share and make sure that they always know what the culture stands for. Cause the minute you let them start forgetting, it goes away. And it's interesting, man, the pandemic ultimately is a gigantic lesson in leadership in many ways. And you know, what's really sad 
uh, we got a lot of challenges right now because most people don't trust the leadership, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, and you can take that however you want, like politically, medically, our school systems, like down to every little bit, we have been very challenged and exposed that the, lead, the so-called leaders really didn't act like them. And culturally, man, not just our country, but countries around the world, culturally are, are a wreck, you know, because I guess maybe some of that repetition and consistency didn't happen. And again, that violates talking about those kind of things. But what I'm trying to show is that when you start looking at things through a cultural lens, culture is everywhere. No question. That's true. And I think that it's, I think it's real. I don't think you were out of bounds in talking about it in any way, because it does challenge us to see what's going on around us. It's like in each one of our organizations in each one of our families, like we've had to do the same thing, step up and lead so that people can trust the decisions. And the, like, if we're doing the same thing we were doing prior, nobody's questioning it. But the second you step out of that consistency, if you haven't repeated it enough, you are, potentially violating a trust barrier. And you talk about culture being trust purpose fun, right? In some ways that, you know, again, somewhere I heard you say that in, the, in a podcast probably, but it's like trust purpose fun. Like, how do you, again, I, I'm, I'm curious about the development around those things because sometimes there might be dissonance between them, right? I can't necessarily have fun and always have fun and have trustworthy relationships. You know, I, 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 I'm curious about that. Yeah. Well, what, what you just mentioned, and that's a, those three words, don't take them very lightly. Like what I did when I was in the process of writing the book, I tried to, you know, really whiteboard what is culture to me? How do I define it? And then every level of it, how is it damaged? How is it strengthened? How is it stimulated? And then what is of all the components of this, what is the ultimate indicators of a great culture? And it's funny, I, after going through all of it, it came down to a great culture would be a place that you work with people that you trust, that you guys are all working towards a similar uh, moral or social purpose, you know, something that drives you, gets you fired up, and that you're having a good time doing it, that, that it's fun too. And if you could reach that, man, that is the pinnacle, right? Like, so whatever, probably the best teams you were ever on, man, you trusted those guys. Look what you said. You're like, man, John's my best friend, man. And it's like, and you guys probably went through things together. You were working towards this similar goal, whether it was on the field or off. And you were probably, you probably got some great memories of some incredible fun that you had. And then as the antithesis I guarantee you've been on teams where you didn't trust the coach. You didn't trust the assistant coaches. You didn't like the players. You know, you might've been committed and no one else is. And like, and the guy's beating you up and it's no fun. And do you see how immediately now you're part of a toxic, lousy culture, which I think those exist way more than the good ones. And again, unfortunately, because no, I look back on all the important things I should have learned in my life. And I didn't have one class on any of those. Like I mentioned before, I had, I have three degrees. I never had one day on culture. I never had one day on coaching. I never had one day on relationships or finance or marriage, like all the stuff that becomes the big problems in our lives. You know, it isn't there, but ultimately that's why I tried to do these two books. So they become kind of the, the one-on-one course to get everybody started. But how do we, so I agree with you. I think toxic culture is more prevalent than good culture, right? Or, or helpful. So 
why, why is it that we find ourselves in those cultures and why do we stand for it? Why do we stay? Yeah. Well, right. First piece. And it was a big breakthrough I had as I was writing the book, I call it like, why do we have them? And I call it a vitamin L deficiency. So uh, I say we, we got leadership problems and it's not anybody's fault. Most people are thrown into a leadership position and they're not prepared to be a leader. And, and let me give you this one right off the bat. You ready? And this is pretty vulnerable part for me. I've been named captain of a lot of the teams that I've been on. Why do you think that is? Like, why, what, you know, if you were to pick a, you know, some high school kid or middle school kid, why they get picked as captain? Why? Uh, they're, they're outgoing. They're fun. They're good. They they're talented. Be invested, right? Yeah, they're see, I would say, uh, see, you guys are being wishful thinking. I would say, it's, <laughs> I would say it's your like best performer and your team stud, right? Like yeah. that's who it was. They don't say, Hey, look at the leadership ability or their great no, no. commitment yeah. or all this other stuff. It's just like the really good player, your best players usually. And I'm saying from the past, right? Now, I got thrust into those positions. I was selfish. I was about myself and I wanted to do things for me. Like I wasn't a leader. And you know what? I was never a great captain and I probably never created a great culture. And I had to learn those lessons to be able to change that so that then when I ran businesses and actually became a coach, that was the person I wanted to be the most, right? I wanted to be the one that made everybody else better because I was there, not me get better at the expense of everybody else. So the first thing I would say is, why these cultures exist. Hey, who gets promoted at work? It's your top sales guy. That doesn't mean he should run all the other sales guys, right? So we don't recognize good leadership ability. It isn't taught because I do believe you can learn it. And then, uh, and then why do we stay? Because that's not only is it what we're used to, but we don't even, we don't know we have a choice, right? Like, you know, nobody, nobody ever says, Oh, man, like those bad teams you were on, you never probably said, oh man, I want to leave so I can go be part of another one. But I'll tell you what, if you haven't noticed, and I think this is pretty interesting, I'm having a breakthrough here. You guys know the portal thing that's going on right now. Yeah. Dude, it's out of control. Why would everybody be leaving every team that they wanted to be part of? And I'm telling you, culture, again, if you're always looking with that culture lens, I guarantee there's a lot of unhappy people in some, you know, in some places. It's not just about playing time. Right. Because if you're somewhere that's so unbelievable and you love it, you'll you'll stay. But it's like, man, everybody is just taken off for another place. And that's scary that it sounds like they're not setting these places up right. Well, and I think you speak to something right. We don't get taught this stuff. Right. And we don't we've all been on teams, right? But we've never been taught how to be great leaders on those teams. We've never been taught how to be great teammates on that, never. Team, right? We've never been taught. And I, I heard that you say this in preparing for the podcast, you said, we've all like been taught or like longed to be the best person on the team, but we've never learned how to be the best person for the team, right? The difference between those two little words is huge and it's powerful. So I'm going to ask you this, how would you step beside a coach, an athlete, and to teach them, this is what we have to do to be the best person for our programs, for our teams, right? What do you, what do you step in, right? Yeah, well, well, here's how it's that one's simple from that day one, right? And in the book, it actually does this. It's like the coach has a meeting with his team. He's just become the head coach. And he sits down and tells a pretty horrible story about himself. And it, he never says it's him until the very end and says, that was me, right? And I wasn't the best guy for the team. I was the best guy on the team. And he said, but that's changed. And then you got to show that you're only like, you're going to value most 
the people that are best for the team. And then how do you do that? You recognize it, you appreciate it, you celebrate it until everybody realizes this is, this is how you become honored on this team and how you become part of this team. And ultimately for everybody listening to, it's not like you have one meeting and you got it, or it's not like, hey, there's one award ceremony and it's all locked in place. Culture is a nonstop progress that never ends. Like, cause you're either, it's, it's always, it's like the stock market. It's either moving up or down every day, right? Like your culture's either getting better or worse. There'll be some days it's down, some days it's up, but you gotta always be fighting for that culture that you want. And, uh, and it's a continuous battle and nowhere, did I experience that more than the last almost two years now of the pandemic? Cause can you imagine your business is mandatory shutdown and how do you keep going? And then, well, not only that, but now imagine you've got to lead hundreds of business owners that this has happened to them and uh, battle for that culture when the most negative thoughts are going through their heads. And, uh, and so what did I do? I did weekly chalk talks, weekly zooms with everybody like everybody was on it was constant messaging never letting them forget and i'm pretty proud that you know we destroyed the industry average of how many businesses went away and how we're still doing but i'll tell you what it pushed me to another level of leadership that i wish i didn't have to have learned but uh but i'm glad that i did and what's the constant lesson man you can't take your eyes off your culture for a second because uh Rarely is it going to get better without you. That would be a, a good idea. <laughs> and I think that this speaks to something that our background, you know, in mindset stuff is like, you you have to control your thoughts eventually, right? Your thoughts beget your feelings, beget your responses, right? That, 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 so like you went in and you said, okay, a lot of people are having negative thoughts because they see the writing on the wall that this thing might shut down or we might not last through the pandemic. I got to come in and rework those thoughts. Is it just messaging like, like, are you loving them up too? I don't, you know, I don't know what, where is it? It's private messages. It's talking to them. It was the zooms. Obviously we couldn't really get face to face or skin to skin, which, Hey, and I've noticed that one's tough too. That might be another one for everybody out there, whether it's a team or a business. Hey, we would have these uh, biannual big meetings within our company and everybody would get together and it would reinvigorate. And we're on almost two years of not having those anymore. So what I would also say is if you're a coach, whatever else, you've got to get together off that field too, with both your staff and your, your teams, there's got to be these connections and these opportunities to build culture, not just out there measured by wins and losses, you know, and I, and I really believe the best coaches have done that. So by that one, I would say, Hey, any way you can do it, do it. There is no wrong answer. But what I'm saying is you've got to keep the connection strong. And here's what I hear. Uh, there's a line in the book that I say, that's pretty cool. You ready? No contact, no culture, right? Like if you are not staying in contact, if you are not making contact, I don't know if it's a physical high five, if it's a hug, uh, you know, a private text when somebody's not doing good, because here's what happens. And this is a, this is a big one for everybody listening. When there is an absence of communication, negativity, apathy, mediocrity, all fill that space, right? Because I saw John laughed when I said, your culture doesn't get better without you. See, when you disappear or you just shut down and you have no contact, then, hey, what's wrong? Must be something wrong between us. Things are bad. Oh, it's worse. And, and they just go down this rabbit hole 
that it's the worst thing ever. And you've probably had that happen. You haven't talked to somebody in a while. Now you think something's wrong. Nothing's wrong. You just haven't talked in a while. But if you do, you break that cycle of it getting worse and worse. And man, I'm having a breakthrough again. Like that's a leader's job is to stay in constant contact with his people or her people and make sure that you are, you are delivering the messages that are consistent with your culture. And if you don't do that, or you're afraid to do that, then you're not a leader. Don't call yourself a leader. And you actually shouldn't be running a business or a team because that's the job. Now, I, but I would also challenge too, that if you're not in that leadership position, you can still lead, right? If, Absolutely. if, if your boss, your coach, your fill in the blank is not staying in contact with you, you, you have a responsibility too, if you want to help build that culture, because even if you're not that, the leader, right, you, you are still responsible for building that. And it's not going to build, it's not going to get better without you. So it works in the inverse too. If you're the one who is looking up and you're saying, man, my leader sucks. I haven't heard from him. I haven't gotten a message. I'm poor me, right? We talked about that with Rob. The, the tendency, Jamie, is once we get some isolation, once we have some adversity, we, we go more into me, right? Okay. That's where you're talking about breaking the cycle. Even if you're in that spot, you got to reach up sometimes and create that. Well, and social media makes that very different, difficult yeah. at this time because everybody's just in a, a me, me, me cycle. But here's one that I would say you'll like, and I address it in the book. What I do is I call it like a cultural checkup. And you've got it, one section of it is identifying your people, not just the leader. See what I say is the leader should be the crusader, the, the strongest person fired up for the culture. But then as he or she examines who they've got, you do a little inventory, right? And you got to say to yourself, hey, do I have keepers of this culture? Meaning do I have people that are also doing the things that I want to happen? Or, and I think this term is going to get really big, I call them culture vultures, do I have those negative, toxic people and I'm allowing them to continue to just be inside their own heads and ruin my culture? And as you go through this list, hey, how many crusaders do I got? Who are my keepers? Who are my vultures? And you start doing an inventory, it could scare you. So I challenge anybody listening, whether it's your team business or even in your family, hey, if you got a bunch of vultures right now, you got problems. Well, and, 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 where, and where are you? Which one are you right now? Yeah. And you might be, you might be one thing in your family and another thing at work, right. Or in your friendships and, and being aware of that and, and continually <laughs> reflecting on where am I at and what, what role am I playing? So Absolutely. Jamie. And, and Hey, if you are in the leadership role, man, if you're not a crusader for your culture, there's a problem, right? Big problem. And, and you, yeah. You use this word vulture, and I think of vultures being this opportunistic, constantly circling, constantly looking for the opening. And you're talking about like, you have to be the crusader. You have to be the one that's consistently given that message. Well, guess what? When the door opens and you're not there, or when you walk away from that kill, right? Like that opportunity, guess who's swooping in? Oh, the yeah. person who's got the negative attitude, the person who's, who's going to spew the wrong message or create the wrong atmosphere. And, and that's why that constant vigilance is so important. You, you mentioned the drip, right? The drip can work through, but guess what? The drip has to be, it can't be just one drip of water. It's got to be constant, specific, and over a long period of time. Well, what everybody will like from the book too, is 
a vulture not only swoops in, but what do they swoop in on? They swoop in on dead stuff, negative stuff, and they don't travel by themselves. They're always in packs. They need other people feeding off that same garbage, right? And uh, yeah, and and it's funny. As soon as I say it, and I've already sent this book out to some Olympic coaches, and they immediately wrote back. That was the thing that hit them the hardest. They were like, "Man, we got some. I know who my vultures are, and I got to do something," you know. And uh, so it's you know, so you see how there's some simplistic ideas that will also come from the book but i'll tell you there's it's there's so much in there because they let me go a lot deeper coach to coach is like 200 pages the high 10 is almost 300 now i don't want that to scare people again it's a story with tons of my favorite stories within the story so people blast through it in a couple of days but man people are going through it again and again to uh pull out all the lessons so is that something you address in there okay i've now identified, I have a bunch of culture vultures. Yep. How do I deal with that? Because I yeah. think, again, that's something that, yes, maybe people are equipped because they have some natural abilities. They had good models. They had good leaders. But if not, once I identify it, now what? Watch, what I'm going to make, make this real simple for you. Ready, John? You're going to love it. Are you ready? I, I already do. I already love it. Watch this. You're either going to coach them up. You're going to decide this person can be coached up or you coach them out. And that's it. Like, I'm going to make it real simple. I made too many mistakes over many years running big organizations, trying to save people that need to go. And then not only that, but by trying to save vultures that keep your culture negative, you actually crush your own leadership because people don't believe in you and you're keeping around the wrong people. So in the book, this one dude, and I don't want to give it away, but this dude has to fire somebody very close to him, you know, Mm. and it's, but the dude was the worst vulture of them all. He had to do it, but he's killing his own culture because he could never do it, right? And then the same kind of stuff happens on the team. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's uh, something I call it the most important uh, math equation a leader needs to know when it comes to what we're talking about. And that is addition by subtraction. So take away the, the vulture and man, maybe your culture gains 10 times its strength even though you were afraid because they were either a top player or a top producer or somebody that's been in your business a long time. But here's some advice I'm going to give everybody listening. If you are the leader, the coach, the parent, the business owner, you do not get held hostage. And especially by somebody because they're either your best player or they've been there a long time. If you are letting yourself be held hostage and you're afraid to do anything about it or address it, either by coaching them up or out, again, you're not a leader and you're scared and, and you don't know, you know, you don't know. And it's, and these are, Hey, I know I'm talking tough, but I'm saying it's kind of like love tough, not tough love. But the whole thing is it's the truth. Like if you know, and most people, when I say, Hey, you got somebody that needs to go, they always, they always do. And they'll say, Oh, but I'm afraid. Cause they produce, I'm afraid I won't be able to get somebody else or I'm afraid they've been here a long time. Now, then you're not a leader and you don't care about your culture and you're killing your business. So, and I'll tell you what, during this pandemic, I, my uh, tolerance level for it got much smaller and my trigger finger got way faster, right? And, uh, you know, now, well, now, and- you can see I'm getting fired up about it right now, but all of these <laughs> ideas, they're in the book and I'm hoping it fires up some leaders too. Now, hey, for every leader listening don't now go into work tomorrow and fire half your staff because you don't like them but the whole thing is 
but do the it's work, do the work and find out who belongs and who yeah. you can grow. And like, if you're wasting energy trying to make sure they're not making somebody else angry or being a vulture, like think about the energy you get back to exactly. pour into your great people. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and the, the other part that's lost in this is that it may be the best thing for those vultures for you yeah. to take that action, to protect your culture, to protect everybody else. And for them to have to learn that lesson. Right. They may not be able to be coached up in your culture, but moving forward, if you don't give them that opportunity, who knows where they're going to end up. Well, and, and here's one that I'll tell everybody. And this one helps me. I got this from my old man who ran a pretty big business because I'm not going to say it was easy. And hey, and I'll say this too: uh, every lesson that is in my books, I learned them because I'm made mistakes. I learned them because I did it wrong. I learned them because I, you know, the only reason I, the way I learned to be a, a better leader is because I was a lousy leader. The way I learned to be a better coach, because I was a lousy coach, same for parent, everything. And uh, the lesson he gave me, because I was agonizing, there were times I knew people had to go and I didn't have the guts to do it. And my dad said, son, you're not firing anybody. They've already fired themselves. So that was like a big breakthrough for me. Like, see, if you're even thinking it, they already fired themselves. But then he said, and what he always noticed is when he finally did fire somebody that needed to be, and that was after a lot of deliberation, that person was just as relieved as he was. And what it was is that subliminally, this person's doing all the things wrong because they're trying to show you they don't want to be part of that culture. They want to be out of there. So help them and then help all the people around you and your culture will move faster, better without them. What about people out there that are going, but yeah, that sounds great, but we have limited resources. I don't have that many people. I don't have that many people invested. I think about, you know, I'm a wrestling coach. I've coached, you know, like I work with some cross country teams. Like we kind of take whoever shows up because we don't have teams otherwise. Like, and yet there's some vultures that walk through the door, you know, yeah. like, how do you, how do you speak to that when you're, when you're a little bit desperate and you're going, I, I can't get rid of these people. Cause what if it kills the whole thing? You know, Wow, Jamie, that, we just, that, sorry, but Martin, I, I, before you, I, I your answer is going to be way better than mine probably, but Jamie, <laughs> we literally got done talking about this an hour ago about just that word can't yeah. right. Once yeah. it, they start thinking, I can't, I can't afford to do that. I, I don't have anyone else. Right. And then they go down this road of, I have no choices. And that Martin talks to your how being held hostage. Right. I no longer have a choice, which is never the case. Yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Hey, I, I hear Jamie, what you're saying. And it's like, Hey, if you know, how do I, so for everybody listening, don't think that I'm not aware what a coach makes at say the middle school or high school level. And uh, which is essentially nothing. I think I figured it out once and it was like 10 cents an hour for how much yeah. time I was putting in. So I get it that it may be difficult to find somebody for that, but at the same time resonating with what John said, here's what I would say. Don't only think about what something, you know, will cost you if you do it, think about what it'll cost you if you don't. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't think I could allow myself to put 
a, a negative wrong coach around a bunch of kids and maybe jeopardize the rest of their life. Cause I don't think I can get anybody else, but yeah, but at, but but at that- the same time I hear you. And, and yeah, and this doesn't mean everybody goes on a firing spree. What I would say is, I guess my answer would be if you cannot get someone else, which you should always be on the hunt. I call it, keep the gun loaded. You should always be looking for great people that then you should put in so much effort into this person and just see if a change can be made, but you can't do nothing. Right. So you can't not fire them and and say, and I'm just going to let them be who they are. So then I would say the person I would try to coach up the most would be that person. If I could find no, no one else and, or I would really identify what they're doing wrong and just, create scenarios where they don't get an opportunity to do that. Right. You know, well, and I, I'm being a little bit devil's advocate in that question because I, I'm not going to stand for it either in my context, but I think there are a lot of people that go, there aren't, there aren't other options. I don't have another choice. And, and I think John's point and yours together, like land that home in some ways, you do have another choice. You can choose to coach them up. You can choose to create situations where they're not put in that position. You can choose to remove them. If, so be it. You can choose to take on that role yourself, which may not be the right choice, but you speak to this just briefly in your response. There is like, I wouldn't let a coach potentially ruin a kid or destroy a situation. And that comes back to your broader mission. Right. And I think that when you, when you have this deep purpose in place, can you speak to what that is for you? Cause you, you touched on it briefly and I don't want to step all over it. Cause it's amazing. And I think if you're a coach, you need to be thinking similarly to this. Yeah. Well, Hey, you guys, everybody's heard a little bit about my journey and it started, I'll say, as an athlete. And when you're an athlete, I think you got to be a little bit selfish. It's difficult to be a great leader when you're trying to develop yourself. And I was a student too. And when you're a student, yeah, you're taking information. You're not trying to make people better around you. And then I think the big transition happened for me. And this is an interesting one for every coach listening. You guys might like this one on mental stuff. I had a real battle when I had to make the leap from athlete to coach. So even when I was training pros and I was training these combine guys and fighters, I was still like concerned about me, my lifts, my speed, my stuff. And then it was, I remember over time getting either bad results or not making strong connections where it really showed me that a coach has to be way more excited about them than he is about himself or he, or she is about herself. And that was the, that was the, the whole basis of what this book is. So that's a biggie. Like, so I'm going to say it again. If you want to be a great coach, you have to have the ability to get way more excited about somebody else than yourself. And that's big because in our world today, few people are really excited about somebody else. And when somebody else does good, they feel there's less good for them. And, uh, and usually they're more worried about their likes or, their social media than anything else. So that was the first big leap. And once I really built on that, then I realized, man, I'm on this mission to make a a world of better coaches. And I started teaching coaching lectures. The coaching lectures led to courses. The courses led to the book. And then I realized through this whole pandemic, well, if you're going to coach the, the, the pinnacle or the ultimate thing that you are creating is not just one athlete, but the culture that surrounds the entire team. Cause that's what the kids are going to be part of. You know what I really realized guys, it was 10 years working with this high school football team. We went to the state title nine times. We had a 55 game winning streak. And here's the thing, 90, 
5% of those kids didn't play college football. Those were their last games ever. And they still write me 20 years later. This is what they're still talking about. It was that culture of that team. It was that experience. That's the most important thing you can create. It's not like, oh, wow, uh, this one kid got a D1 scholarship or this one kid went to the pros. Great. You know what? That kid already feels good about himself. But everybody else, did you create that too? So once you can be a great coach and excited about everybody, then can you create a great culture that keeps everybody excited for the rest of their lives. And that led to the second book and what we're talking about today. And it's the first time I've ever said that. Cause remember for everybody listening, the secret to hear good answers is somebody has to ask good questions. And these guys have been asking good questions. So, so we've, we've, we've talked around the books. You've shown the books on camera a little bit, but talk specifics of coach to coach and high 10 uh, broad overview and where can people find it? That sort of thing. Cause I don't want to lose that because sometimes we get lost in the, all the really good stuff that is, you know, connection and how do we get better? Yeah. I don't want to lose the promotion side. So no go way. ahead. Well, it's not even, it's not even, well, no, it, it is because it, it I, is because we believe what you yeah, are doing. That's what I'm saying. I so. guys, I believe in these two books. Like I'm making a guarantee for everybody. If you, if you read it and you hate it, write me and I will send you your money back. Cause, and I've never said that before, but that's how much I believe in them. Yeah. And here's the thing, coach to coach. It's, it's a story. It's a coaching story, but all based on things that really happened. And it just walks people through it's engaging, but it really walks through what it means to be a coach and gives you a whole lot of strategies to be a better one. This one is 30 years later. So this is a young coach 30 years later when he's the old coach, now he's coaching up other people in not only sport, but in business too, but how to create a great culture. And uh, again, both books, I'm telling you, no book is the be all end all, but it's the, but each book could get you started on the journey. And that's what I'm hoping these books do is that it leads you to the next book and the next book until your shelves are full. But I will make everybody a promise. I read thousands of books before I dared to write one. And I wrote the books that I was always wishing would be on my shelf, but nobody wrote. And uh, it's a really cool way to look at it like that. So I tried to fill a need that I believed existed that wasn't out there. I didn't try to copy something else. So, so I'm hoping if you're a coach, parent, teacher, business owner, a leader, you check it out. And, and I want to hear, like, hear more about what you thought and listen in on the conversation. I, I was really excited to have this conversation because one other, I was again, listening, reading, whatever, somewhere I came across this. And it was one of the first things you said is that culture starts with four words. It is about others, yeah. right? It is about others that it aligns deeply with who we are. And what you're saying is when everybody shares, everybody wins, everybody shares, everybody gets better. You're putting down a lifetime of experience and coaching in these books to share so that people can grow and get better. And for that, we at Eyes Up, thank you a ton for that work and for sharing all the stuff that you brought to us and our listeners today, because there's stuff in here. I'll, when I go back and listen, I'll be taking notes and writing some things down and, um, and learning for myself. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. And uh, where can we find anything on social or where can we, where can yeah. we connect with you? Well, hey, number one, my pleasure. And, and if, if everybody enjoyed it, guys, tell these guys about it so they bring me on again because we were just scratching the surface today. The truth. But uh, hey, you can find me at uh, The Martin Rooney on Instagram. I'm always sharing stuff about coaching, my family, everywhere else. 
Uh, you can check out coachinggreatness.com. That'll tell you more about the books, but there's also a coaching blog there. And if you want to see about my company too, there is uh, trainingforwarriors.com as well. So any of those places you can find me and all over social media and the books are available, uh, you know, especially say on Amazon, that's where most people get their books, but uh, you can look around and I'm sure you can find it somewhere where books are sold. Awesome. I, hey, I don't know that we've, I, I mean, we've always tried to get people to come back and I, and people will, but you invited yourself because yeah. you have more to share. And I love this was that. Fun. I love it. I can't wait to do it again. Martin, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again to Martin Rooney. Awesome conversation challenges us, all of our guests, just the same, you know, again, so many things in there, Jamie, that can be applied starting today. A couple of notes that I have. It's, it's all about others. You brought that one up. He had said it previously Four incredible words. It's all about others. Uh, and then the other thing for me was no contact, no culture. We have to be in constant contact. And like I said in there, I think, you know, we think about it from top down, but I think from the bottom up too, that's such an important key factor. We're all parts of culture and we are all parts of creating the culture. And we can't just sit and talk about it not working or not being right. We are, we are involved in that process. And unless, you know, yeah, that conversation right there was mostly about how does the leader develop a culture? And if you are a leader, you are responsible. You need to be a crusader. You need to bring some of the energy that Martin just brought to this conversation because he was bringing it folks, but you don't have to be the leader to bring the energy. You don't have to be the leader to, to be a crusader. If it's not what you want it to be, begin to create it in the way that you want to create it. And and the truth is, and we've all seen it, and I'm going to re repeat his words, right? When there's a lack of communication, if you are in the culture and you are not communicating the things that you want from the people around you, from the place that you work or the place that you live, if you're not communicating that stuff, negativity, apathy, and mediocrity set in. None of us long for that in life, Whoa. right? None of us want that. You are responsible right? You are responsible and leaders, you're responsible to communicate it consistently, to demonstrate it and to repeat it, say it often and make it burn. Coach Miller would say, and so like burn it into the people, burn it into your own brain and remove that. This doesn't work. I can't do it sort of thing. Like put in some effort, try to go there and see what happens. Whether you're a coach, business leader, like Martin said, these things apply to everybody. So Coach to Coach, High 10. You can find them on Amazon, wherever. We'll have the links to it in our show notes as well. Jamie, appreciate you. Those of you listen, we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us on this journey of getting better, finding our best every day. And as always, live eyes up.